Truth, Community, Engagement. This is 6035. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. How are you this afternoon? My name is Shelly Roars. I am the spokesperson for the League of Women Voters. We appreciate you taking the time out this afternoon. We thought it was going to be like snowy today, so we appreciate you being here today. You are here for a candidate forum for the mayor's race, and today's topics, if you didn't know, are water, environment, and transportation. We chose these topics for this forum. We know that you have submitted a lot of questions that may not be related to water, environment, and transportation. So please let me... Number one, if you have to leave early and uh, your question is not asked, because again, we have a lot of candidates, um, know that we're going to have a little bit of one-on-one time with these candidates afterwards, so I know some of you may have to leave early. You will also have candidate information up here. Grab their phone number. Most of their stuff is up here. Email them your question if your question is not asked to get an answer. That's what these things are all for. So please, let, I want you to know that. Um, again, we appreciate you being here. Also, if you're joining us via live stream on YouTube, we appreciate you being here as well virtually. Your moderators today are Andrea Chaffin from KRCC and Mike Williams to my left from Citizens Project. So both of those are co-sponsors for us, so we appreciate you being here today. Candidates as well, thank you and for participating um, in ballot order this time. If you saw our last one, we did alphabetical order, so we love changing things up on you. But they are in ballot order today. Ms. Sally Clark. Mr. Callan Reese Rodebaugh, John Tig Tegan, who um, is not here at the moment, Yemi Mobilade, Christopher Mitchell, Lawrence Joseph Martinez, Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr., my apologies, Tom Strand, Andrew Dalby, Jim Miller, Daryl Glenn, and Mr. Wayne Williams. Elected officials in attendance, I believe, on your, um, up at the front, you got Tom Strand, City Council President, Mr. Wayne Williams, City Council at-large member. I won't make the same mistake twice. Mr. Lojinos Gonzalez, County Commissioner, and Julie Ott, D11 School Board member there in the back. Anybody else that I missed from an elected official perspective that I did not see coming in? No? Very well. Our timekeeper today, League member Terry Weber in the front row. Make sure you keep your eyes on her, please. Question takers, you, you've been giving them to us up here at your moderator table. If you missed you, please give them to any of the League members. Mr. Denny Weber, I'm not sure where you are. Uh-huh. And seriously. And then Molly Williams, somewhere around here. There she is. All right. Monitoring YouTube, I believe. that is that Julie in the back who's monitoring YouTube? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for that. And Mr. Tig Tegan, thank you. Audio and video needs, Dave Gardner, Studio 809 brought, um, podcast, and doing on, on our camera is Ralph. Ralph, thank you so much for today. Our co-sponsors are Action 22, Black and Latino Leadership Coalition, Citizens Project, Colorado Latinos Vote, KRCC, Latina Equity Foundation, NAACP, and 6035 Media. So we could not do this without all of your support. So thank you very much for supporting the league. And just so you know, if you don't know about the league, you're like, what is the League of Women Voters? It's a bunch of women. Not necessarily. We are a nonprofit, nonpartisan 
organization. And the great thing about that is we are organized, we are dedicated to two important things, empowering voters and defending democracy. We do not care who you vote for, we just care that you are an educated voter and vote in every election just like the municipal, not just your presidential and your big ones. So thank you so much for participating. We are a membership organization. I'm always to plug as the spokesperson and the president of the league. We are all volunteers, except for one part-time administrative assistant. Um, and for us, we are not, again, we're not just women. We have male members. You saw Denny here, and, and we've got other male members. But student membership is free. Right, so if you're a civics geek like the rest of us League of Women Voters, I, we are civics geeks. I use that term endearingly and lovingly. Um, Sandra, Sandra Collins, I think she's, there she is. Sandra Collins back there in the back is our membership person. Please ask her about being a member. We have lots of different groups. You don't have to be up here in the front. We have a lot of people who do the behind the scenes work for us. So thank you to all of our League members. The great thing about us is we do not support nor endorse candidates. That's the, we are, that is one of the, no offense to any of the candidates, but we, I love that about what we do. And sometimes we do take a stance on certain issues. So just so you know that about the league, it was very, very progressive for us to try to fight for women's right to vote. So if you think we're liberal, that's why. Okay, so please know that I would love to have that conversation with you. Um, we do take stances on certain issues. Again, TOPS, we do support this ballot initiative. We do a lot of research and a lot of um, surveys with regards to what we do support. So please don't think we just pull that out of a hat. And we also support moving spring elections to the fall. If you don't know about that, I would encourage you to ask a league member about why we support that. Videos of this event will remain available on LWVPPR and 6035 Media. On our YouTube channels, we are also available in a podcast, Making Democracy Work, and 6035 Vote. You can find all of those links on our website at lwvppr.org. And all of our candidates, again, graciously, I think most of you graciously gave us your time for candidate interviews. So we appreciate all of those as well. So you can find out even more information about the candidates. If we don't give you enough information about these people, we are, I think we're doing something wrong, but there's a lot of info out there for you to help you make an educated decision. Uh, Vote411.org, if you don't know what this is. This is a key thing for the League of Women Voters. We are a national and state organization. Candidates, in addition, answered survey questions for us. Also, Citizens Project has a survey as well. Does KRCC have a survey? Yes. See, look at there. See, so all of our co-sponsors, most of them anyway, also have questions for all of these candidates that you can get more information on. Uh, what else? Forum format rules. So that those of you that know, we were going around drawing um, numbers. That was for question order. Today, candidates will get one minute introductions. We will start in ballot order, going from left to right um, on the stage. Um, right to left, yeah, sorry. Right to left for you candidates, my apologies. Thank you, Sally. And then um, one at the end, depending upon time, you'll have 30 seconds to one minute for closing. I think we'll probably have a minute, but answers will be 30 seconds to one minute as well. You guys know the drill. Um, audience members, rules for you. No shouting out, no yeah kind of thing. This is not a NASCAR race as much as I would love it for it to be and my dad. Um, it is not. We will wait until the end to acknowledge the candidates, if you wouldn't mind, please. Other than that, I am done and turn it over to your moderators. Thanks for your introductions.
Thank you all for being in attendance. Uh, my name is Mike Williams. I'm the executive director of Citizens Project, and I'm a lifelong Southeast resident. So I'm definitely biased for the Southeast. I have to say it is the best, in my opinion. Uh, so thank you all for coming. And I'm super uh, grateful that we got to do this at Hillside Community Center today. And I'm definitely excited uh, to start asking these questions. Hi there. Good afternoon. I'm Andrea Chalfin. I'm with KRCC Public Radio for Southern Colorado. Uh, we are a nonpartisan uh, station. We do not endorse. Um, but I have to say, as somebody who has lived here for almost 15 years, I'm coming up on 15 years this summer. Uh, this is a great city, and I can tell so many people care about it because I'm thrilled that there is a room-wide table of folks looking to uh, be our next mayor and a room full of uh, citizens who are concerned about who is our next mayor. So I am uh, thrilled to be here, and uh, it's, it's pretty exciting. So thank you. Uh, now we will do some candidate introductions, and as uh, we were just saying, we'll go in ballot order. Sally Clark. Thank you very much, and thank you to the League for putting this on. This is our second forum with y'all. Um, you know, folks, this is a very critical election, and I think as we look to hire our next CEO of the City of Colorado Springs, I'd like to just talk about um, my experience. Um, I got accidentally into public office by saving Fire Station 3 with my neighborhood on the west side. And in addition to that, then I ran for city council and was elected, served for a few years there, and then um, moved over to the county commission where I served at the county level. And then when I left the county commissioner level, um, I went to work for the U.S. Department of Agriculture and was the state executive director uh, helping rural communities across the state in all forms of, of um, infrastructure, affordable housing, and um, also in terms of the things that we did for businesses and economic development. I'd love your support. I would ask you to look at my website at electclark.com. I am the only candidate up here with experience at all levels of government, and I look forward to putting my uh, experience to work for you. Thank you. Thank you. Callan Reese uh, Hey there, everyone. I am Callan Reese Rodeball. I am running to be mayor of Colorado Springs, and I have no mayoral experience, um, but neither one else does either. So I've got that going for me. Um, I think to be a good mayor, all you have to do is love your city and love the residents and want the best for it and be as transparent with the community as possible. Uh, as much as you can. Uh, that's what makes a great mayor is have the city involved. You're, you're a public servant, so it's your duty to listen to the people and, and enact on their choices that they make. Um, I want to thank everyone, and I hope you vote Callan Reese for mayor 2023. Thank you. Thank you. John Teague Teagan. I'm John Teague Teigen. Uh, I jumped in the race mainly just because of the COVID mandates. Uh, it showed me that the government was, was controlling us. We weren't controlling them. They're uh, using the, the liquor license as a, pretty much as blackmail to keep businesses closed. They're using the health department as a police force to keep businesses closed or in line or in check. They decided who was essential and who wasn't. To me, every business is essential because guess what? People got to work. They got to make money. And they got to be able to afford to live. And for the government to decide who it was, again was not good that's not why our country is based off we need to be, we need to be more involved we need to have more control of what our government says and what it does and i want to bring power back to you i want to take power away from the mayor power from the city give it back to the people because that's where it belongs thank you 
Thank you. Yemi Mobilade. Good afternoon. Um, thank you for coming this afternoon, making time to hear us. My name is Yemi, and the first thing you need to know about me is I love this city. Uh, Colorado Springs is at an inflection point between a history that has got us to where we're at today and a moldable future. Leadership matters, and I'm running for mayor because this city needs my leadership. When you look at the issues in front of us, whether it's um, aging infrastructure, economic vitality, and our public safety crisis, you need, a, you need a leader with proven experience bringing diverse people together to solve our city's toughest problems. You also need a leader who can navigate the unique political, cultural, and climate challenges of our times. A little bit more about me, I'm a business leader, I'm a West African immigrant, I'm married to a badass ICU nurse, her name is Abby. We're both parents to three young kids, nine, five, and three, and the struggle is real. Um, last thing is, um, friends, and one of the things I appreciate about President Reagan is ability to not just have, he didn't have experience in, a, in, in government, but he brought experience to the office, and that's what you will get from me. Thank you. Thank you. Christopher Mitchell. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's very true that you have the choice coming up to select the next CEO of the city. And I'm bringing to the table a resident perspective to that office. But not only a resident perspective, but it is also practicality. Uh, people who have served in government for a long time are not necessarily practical. They, have, they say they've accomplished things, but they, are they practical? So I will bring not only the resident perspective to the office, but a practical perspective in which real solutions can be formulated. Thank you very much. Thank you. Lawrence Joseph Martinez. It's great to see everybody here. I lived across from this center for 10 years. I watched this center grow. I've lived in Southeast for over 25 years. I know the trials and tribulations you guys are going through. I'm just like you. I'm not going to sprout a whole lot of things that I've done and done and done. Only what I can do that's coming up forward. Excellence, it's never an accident. It's the result of high intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, skillful execution and the vision vision to see obstacles as opportunities congratulations on your graduation i graduated from the lead program of united way leadership and equality and diversity so i completely understand once again i've come over here when they have their um, food givings here as well as different areas we really truly have to move forward as a group yourself and myself we're in the same situation once again, I'm not going to sprout to you all the things I've done and all the great things I'm going to do. It's just we have to realize what we have to do for everyone. We've got to be a great neighbor. Thank you. Ojinos Gonzalez, Jr. Uh, thank you for having us today. I'm Lohinos Gonzalez, Jr. And I'm running for mayor of Colorado Springs because I believe in service to others and giving back to our community. I did that serving in the military. Uh, I did that serving and giving back to my community as a school teacher here in the southeast in Harrison School District, too. Did that as a volunteer at my church and, and now as a county commissioner. Uh, I believe in uh, limited government and being a voice for the people. Uh, I believe I have that background and experience uh, and values that best matches our community. Uh, I will prioritize fighting crime and bring down the crime rates in our neighborhoods because our neighbor our families should be safe in their homes and in their neighborhoods and fixing our roads and infrastructure making sure we address the water and growth issues 
things we're going to talk about today, and being your voice and advocate. And I have that demonstrated leadership and record of success. When we had the water contamination issue down south, I worked with our congressional delegation. I worked at the state and federal level to make sure we had safe, clean drinking water in all of the southeast because of that. And that's the kind of leadership you can expect moving forward as Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr. for mayor. Thank you. Thank you. Tom Strand. Who is this Tom Strand guy? He uh, got to Colorado Springs about 40 years ago at Pete Field and uh, served a 30-year career as a JAG in the United States Air Force, uh, about 17 different assignments. And then when I retired, I came back to the city that I adopted and fell in love with, Colorado Springs. And uh, I was elected to the District 11 School Board and served on the District 11 School Board as president. Uh, I was there for about six years. And then took a little bit of time off and ran for city council in 2015 and 2019. And on city council and the board of directors for utilities, I've served in all the leadership positions. Uh, I've been chair of the utilities and vice chair of president pro tem and now president of city council. So I've got the experience, I've got the integrity, and I've got the skill sets to be your next mayor. Thank you. Andrew Dolby. I'm Andrew Dolby. And... Uh, well, th thank you to the League of Women Voters for hosting this. This is our last forum. I think we've had approximately 498 of them. <laughs> uh, they had previous one uh, at the beginning of the week. So you can hear every, all these speeches that these people have been saying at under the, any of those. So if you want to know a little more about my background, go ahead and listen to those. I'd like to speak a little bit about something that, that came to my attention this week. I, one of the reasons I got into this race is because uh, people talk about election uh, fraud. Well, the biggest source of election fraud are the jokers who run for office. They lie through their teeth, and you should know that. We can come together, and we may disagree on some things, but as long as we have open, honest dialogue, that's great. I don't think that people accidentally fall into a third term at the county commission. I don't think they accidentally vote for the developers that fund them. What I also don't think is that it's right for the Democratic Party to have invited only one candidate to their forum. Thank you. Well, Jim I'm, Miller. Hello, I'm Jim Miller. I'm just a guy. I'm running for mayor because they moved four child rapists next door to my house and my daughter's a victim of it. They always scream and shout about our safety and prosperity and helping us, all the politicians and all the nonsense. None of them wanted to talk to me because I am just a person and just, just a regular everyday guy, you know. They don't care. They didn't matter. But here I am with this stuff, and the more I've been doing it, the more pollution and corruption and the nonsensical stuff I've been discovering and not liking. I think a lot of it, we don't need a leader. We need a good representative. That's the number one thing. We have, we're not represented anymore. We need a good representative. Another thing, it's just we fund everything. We do everything. We don't get a lot in return. That's not right. That's not the way it's supposed to be. This political stuff's pretty crooked, if you ask me. And I just think we need to have more people involved in it. And that's what I think. So here's Daryl. Thank you. Daryl Glenn. <laughs> Daryl Glenn, thanks for coming out. Uh, my name is Daryl Glenn, and I'm an unapologetic Christian, constitutional, conservative, pro-life, Second Amendment-loving veteran. Colorado Springs is my home. Uh, my parents got me here as fast as I could, but from two and a half. 
I've been here over 50 years as this is my home. Uh, in fact, our family's first church was right behind us at St. John's. Uh, went to, graduated from Doherty High School, went to the Air Force Academy, spent 21 years in the military, retired as a lieutenant colonel. Spent two terms on county commission, two terms as a, uh, as a city councilman. My number one priority, a reason why I'm running in this race, is to make sure that Colorado Springs becomes the safest city in the nation. I'm extremely concerned about what's happening within our city. Uh, when I think about what life was like when I was a kid, being able to get on the bus and being able to go to the Citadel Mall and hang out all day, couldn't do that now. And we need to change that. So that's going to be my goal. Go to DarylGlynnForColorado.com. Thank you. Wayne Williams. Good afternoon, and thank you for coming out today and missing March Madness. My team's already lost, so it doesn't matter. Um, but let me, let me talk to you a little bit about my drive here. I actually drove by Aldermark, which has been uh, my car repair place for a little over 30 years here. And uh, Bill Karpenko, the owner, put a sign up in front of it, and I noticed it was vandalized as I was driving by. So you should know that criminals do not support Wayne Williams. Uh, but this week, I was excited to earn the endorsement of the Colorado Springs Police Protective Association, the men and women who are on the line protecting our city. And I'm honored to have the support. I am running to address public safety, economic vitality, and transportation and infrastructure. I'm excited to have the opportunity to visit with you today. This is the last of a number of forums, uh, but I appreciate those who have persisted through this. And you'll note that all 12 of us are here today, so we all care. Thank you. Thank you all candidates for the introductions. Um, just quick reminders before we ask the first question. Uh, please candidates do wrap it up when the stop sign comes on just so we can get through as many questions as we possibly can. And reminders audience, while we might not all disagree or agree or disagree with certain people's answers, no cheering, no comments please until the end. And we would encourage you just to stay around and ask some of those questions that we weren't able to because of the topics we have today uh, at the end. So the first question that we have today and we did draw uh, names for the order. So this will go to uh, Mr. Martinez first is do you think 100 128% water coverage is sound when it comes to development. Also, should it include all developers, including Norwood? So that'll be one minute. Uh, Mr. Martinez is going to be first, followed by Mr. Wayne Williams. Yes, we have a very bad situation with water right now. All one has to do is go out to the reservoirs or the lakes, and you'll see how low they are. 128 years. Boy, when they came up with that rule, they wanted to make sure they weren't around, so you can ask them why later at 128 years. I think we need to take a look at the situation every 25 years. We change so dramatically in the water that we have available. We have to make sure your children and your grandchildren are going to be able to drink from the same water system. Um, all you have to do is walk through the neighborhood, see the yards. Nobody has grass. It's all dried up. It's all gone. But yet developers are going to go ahead and develop very large sections with just the barely amount of water we have. And I guarantee you they're going to water their lawns. They're going to make sure their lawns are clean. If you're going to end up paying a million dollars for a house after interest rates, you're going to make sure you have what you want, which means we will do without. And I think that's very unfair. That's why we all need to be together to work together, not just one body, not just us, but all of us together so we can come up with a plan that's for everyone. Thank you, Mr. Martinez. Mr. Williams next, followed by Mr. Glenn. Before I joined City Council, uh, the rule in Colorado Springs was we would annex land if there was enough water for the, quote, foreseeable future, close quote. Perhaps you know what that means. I don't. Uh, 
And so it was absolutely critical that we adopt an actual standard that is fair and can be evenly applied. That is, uh, was proposed by professional staff at Colorado Springs Utilities at 130%. After months of process, a uh, compromise was reached and we passed 128%. I absolutely support it. It applies to all annexations regardless of who may choose to annex. It, it is designed to address our water. We've also done significant things on Colorado Springs Utilities to buy additional water sources, and we've done that through the imposition of a new water resource fee on developers of 5800 per home. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Glenn, followed by Mr. Mobilade. Darrell Glenn, uh, thank you for the question because I think it's extremely important because whether it's 128% or something else, I think you need to ask yourself, do you believe that 128% is the correct standard? Because when I walk this city, uh, the two, two concerns, number one, they don't believe our city is safe and the community doesn't believe that we have enough water to be able to prepare for our growth. We need a standard that the community absolutely has buy-in. So whether that's 128%, 138%, it doesn't matter. But we actually need to make that enforceable because we need to make sure that as we're growing, we're holding everybody to that standard because that's what's critical. What also needs to be factored into that is whether or not we have enough public safety response resources dedicated to that. Those two need to be hand in hand as a measure to be able to dictate how much growth is going to occur and the pace of that growth. So I 100% support that, but the question needs to be whether or not you believe 128% and whether or not there's been enough transparency around that, and that's my goal, is to make sure you have your answers and enforce that rule. Thank you, Mr. Glenn. Mr. Mobilade, followed by Ms. Mrs. Clark. Friends, the heart of the question is about an equitable government. The heart of the question is also, we're asking, do we have enough water resources to meet the needs for today, as well as as we consider annexation? The heart of the solution is around sustainable and intelligent growth. Um, the, 20, the 2006 annexation plan already gives us the answers to this question. It says, we, are, we, we residents are owners of the water for ourselves. Number two, we're not imposed by law to provide water outside of the corporate limits. And number three, as we consider the growth of the region, we do have to consider the water needs for the growth outside of the corporate limits, but first we have to ensure that we have water for today. So here's the thing, the, the 128 rule is a starting place. It's a necessary conversation that should have happened 20 years ago. The heart of this solution really is, do you trust your government will do the right thing for all residents? and not some, and that's the leadership I will be bringing to this conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mobilade, Mrs. Clark, followed by Mr. Dalby. Thank you, Sally Clark. First, let me talk about my track record. So um, years ago, I, as a councilwoman, as a councilwoman, I worked um, actually at the national level trying to get SDS in, the Southern Delivery System. Um, in addition to that, with Fountain Creek, um, we established the Fountain Creek Watershed District, which made the pipeline possible with Pueblo, and came and those folks came to the table to help us with the future water. What I will say at this point, um, I would not have supported the 
the ordinance, and I'll tell you quickly why. And actually, Councilman Dave uh, Donaldson wrote a really good editorial, I think, in, in several publications that was published this week. What I would have done was to create, as, as mayor, I will create a 90-day task force to work with the county commissioners, to work with the water districts, to work with everyone to make sure that we're planning so that we don't end up with sprawl. This is a growth issue as much as it is a water issue. And you can count on me to be there to help us to work through this so we'll get actual data and science to back it up. Thank you, Sally Clark. Thank you, Mrs. Clark. Uh, Mr. Dalby, and then I'll re-ask the question because sometimes our audience forgets what the question is. Hi, yeah. Uh, again, Andrew Dalby, one of the things that's really interesting is I'm a political newbie. There's a number of people up here who've been in office since the turn of the century. Certainly, a uh, one of the uh, signs I've arrived, I guess, is getting hate mail. I got a hate mail recently. Uh, what was really interesting was who sent it. It was one of the money launderers, I mean accountants from Norwood. And so they were un unhappy with some of the things that I've been saying apparently. So we all know that the 128% rule was put in place and written by Norwood in order to maintain a monopoly. We also know if you've been paying attention, if you've watched some of these other uh, forums that some of the opposition to that is because some other people are funded by other developers. So you, you hear a lot about trust. Again, I think when, you, uh, when people fail to tell you the truth here when they're running for office, those are people you shouldn't trust. Thank you, Mr. Dalby. Uh, so to re th this question again is, do you think 128% water coverage is sound when it comes to development? Also, should it include all developers, including Norwood? That was a question we got. Uh, that is going to Mr. Miller, followed by Mr. Rodebaugh. I'm Jim Miller. I don't think 128% is enough. I also think we kind of got duped in on supporting it a little bit somehow. I think it needs to be double-checked and probably triple-checked by unbiased, non-self-serving, non-special-interest-serving people that understand groundwater, surface water, all the melt that comes off the mountains and all that kind of stuff. I think with the – it shouldn't just cover annexations either should cover all development from all developers, all builders, everybody. If you're gonna do it, do it, and it should cover everybody. It shouldn't just self-serve and make it real nice for Dave Jenkins over at freaking uh, Norwood, right? Or even the Kevin O'Neills or anybody else at O'Neill, right? This stuff needs to quit being just bought and paid for, self-serve for particular interest. I'm not bought and paid for by nobody. I'm not sponsored by nobody, but I'm kind of tired of us being sold out. Thank you, Mr. Miller. Mr. Rodebaugh, followed by Mr. Gonzalez. I do support a water buffer. Um, as, I, as I've started running, I noticed it's changed. At first, when I first started running, it was 130%. Now it's 128%. I do believe there should be a buffer for the city. Uh, with the prices we pay for our homes and everything, I believe Colorado Springs should have water. Uh, I should I believe we should be taken care of as mayor of the city I would like to take care of Colorado Springs I know I'd be upset if I paid the price I do and went in there to take a shower and couldn't take a shower because the water is being shipped somewhere else as far as a level playing field for all developers all land developers should have the same rules that they have to play by um, it's, it's just not fair 
to be honest with you, if someone was able to have a, uh, you know, some, they could take as much land and have 85% of it and not have to play by the rules, I think that that's unfair to other people. Everybody should have to play by the same rules. Uh, Callan Reese for mayor. Thank you, Mr. Rotobah, Mr. Gonzalez, followed by Mr. Teagan. Uh, Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr. Uh, so uh, water is critical. We need to make sure we make decisions based on the, the issues related to water and our growth. Absolutely. That's why as a county commissioner, I supported our updating of our water master plan uh, and why I consider that, why I voted no on a couple of projects because water issues. Whether that number makes sense, we don't know because we didn't have all the stakeholders together. At that first meeting in October, I was there as a county commissioner on my own. I asked, let's meet with the city and the county the, the developers, all the stakeholders, and the public, and find out what that right number is. They didn't, they didn't bring us back to the table, even though I asked for it. So I know that this hasn't been taken into full account. So I'm concerned about that. I'm greatly concerned, again, that this was pushed to support one entity, Norwood has already been highlighted here, to give them a de facto monopoly. Right? And their supporters at, forgot at that meeting, and Mr. Williams forgot to mention today, that prior to the professionals coming up with a draft, it was Norwood who came up with the idea and pushed and threatened that they would go to the city for a vote if the city didn't do something. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez, Mr. Teagan, followed by Mr. Strand, and then Mr. Mitchell. John Tig Teigen. I think uh, we're definitely not conservative enough on our water. Uh, we're supposed to have three years of backup water. We're down to two and a half. Um, so that right there should have told pretty much anybody in the city council that it was not good enough and every developer should fall under all the rules i mean it's not not waving one for the other everybody should be on the same playing field because it 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 just equals out the whole thing and what they were saying down there norwood owning 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 i can't even speak right now 80 percent of the undeveloped land and if they're going to be able to monopolize on it and make their own water rules it's just going to hurt us it's not going to hurt them they're going to take the money and they're going to run they make money on the front end they make money on the back end and they can continue to make money on two percent maintenance fees across our, our city so developers to me need to start uh, paying more into uh, supporting our our community as a whole after they build thank you mr tigan my apologies for the mispronunciation of your name uh mr strand thank you mike is that in that better okay well please stand with strand i was on the uh the board of uh, directors for utilities when we turned on the southern delivery system cost over 150 million dollars to do that and i was told when i came on that board it would provide water for all of us you know into 2040 or 2050. it turned out what it was was a delivery system not a system that provided water so i made several trips with the utilities board up into the mountains to see where we get our water how we get it both you know from the colorado river from the arkansas river and and we have got terrific staff on the board of yeah, on the the colorado springs utilities but they don't know everything and when they teed this thing up last fall with 130 which is 30 percent more than what we anticipate we need I don't think they had all they needed. I was one of the four members on the on city council that voted against the ordinance. I think we need another uh, probably six to nine months to do a study before we go forward with this because it definitely caught into our housing availability. Thank you, Mr. Strand. Uh, Mr. Mitchell. Thank you very much. Um, my first thoughts on this is it's a good benchmark, a good starting point. However, 
as mayor, part of the job is to run the city departments in an impartial manner. And as mayor, I propose that these kind of issues need to be data-driven in process, in terms of we have a good benchmark, and then I will introduce data-driven processes that provide adaptability for not only this number that we're talking about, but other metrics that we will look at in terms of city growth. And also, as mayor, the components of our growth, which this is one of many, need to be interlocked and interrelated so that we are managing manage them correctly. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, related question uh, to water, and we will begin with Wayne Williams followed by Daryl Glenn. Uh, it's not just about planning for future growth, it's also sustaining what we have. And with the health of the Colorado River uh, being uh, what it is, I I'm wondering uh, how you think about sustaining uh, or replacing or supplementing water for our existing infrastructure, and should we be looking at some limits on growth? Thank oh, one minute. Thank you very much for the question. Uh, we have done a number of steps. So the new zoning code that we adopted restricts the amount of high water use turf in new development. It does not affect existing homes, but it does with respect to new development. By the way, we're using about the same amount of water now that we did 20 years ago, despite the fact we've got 100,000 more people. So we have done a number of conservation measures to address that. Most importantly, we've begun using that $5,800 fee that I talked about to acquire new water rights. So we've gone down into the Arkansas Valley, signed an agreement with Bent County for the acquisition of 15,000 acre feet, enough for 100,000 homes, 100,000 people, and we have purchased 3,000 of those acre feet, but we're doing it in a new way by helping farmers upgrade the irrigation system and buying the water that's saved so we still sustain the farms that are there, but also obtain the water we need for our community. Uh, thank you, Wayne Williams. Next is Daryl Glenn, followed by Yemi Mobilade. Great, thank you. <laughs> Daryl Glenn, we need to do really three things. Number one, we need to have that water rule in place. And again, it's not just a water rule from my standpoint. It also needs to tie in the public safety piece and base growth on that. Government shouldn't artificially control growth. They should use that benchmark as a way of determining that. The second thing we need to do is focus in on infill development. That's what needs to happen. Uh, when you're looking at, especially in the southeast corridor in these areas, when you look at the lack of infrastructure, if we're going to grow, we need to be growing within our infill development. And those are areas that I believe the city has historically lacked the will to be able to invest in those particular areas. The third thing is the market should dictate that. Uh, people are influenced by how much they pay. Uh, I like the tiered rate structure with regard to regulating growth and regulating your water consumption. I guarantee you, when you see your bill go up, you're going to adjust your water that way. Thank you, Daryl Glenn. Uh, Yemi Mobilade, followed by Sally Clark. I was fortunate to participate and as be one of the leaders participating in the water tour. I got to see firsthand some of the opportunities as well as some of the challenges. And one of the opportunities um, Wayne Williams has mentioned is the innovative efforts with acquiring new water rights through from our from our farmers and and agriculture. 
And we need to keep moving in that direction because it's a win-win situation. We are helping to invest in better irrigation equipment as well as the water that is being conserved comes to us. Number two, I see an opportunity with conservation efforts. Yes, the water usage has remained rel relatively the same over the last 20 years because we are doing a better job in water conservation and we need to continue those efforts, including our park system working with CSU for better irrigation equipment for many of our park um, um, water uses. And number three, Daryl mentioned it, infill. Infill is really important because, friends, the water exists, the infrastructure is ready there, so let's capitalize on that type of development and it will help all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Yemi Mulade. Next is Sally Clark, followed by Andrew Dolby. Thank you, Sally Clark. So let's talk a little bit about this density issue because I don't think everybody wants to live in an apartment. Um, and I believe that we need different types of housing available. Uh, one of the things, and I think um, is really important, first of all is conservation. Secondly is water availability. Third, we want to make sure that we're partnering with our, our whole county, not just the city of Colorado Springs. We already provide water to many different areas outside the city limits. So that's not going to stop. But the one thing I don't want it to do is to create more of a barrier for new affordable housing. And I think that's a main crux of, of this whole discussion. We need to, again, work with the state and Colorado Water Conservation Board. We need to be working with our water districts. We need to be realizing that we don't want to put things in Fountain Creek that, that damage our downstream partners either. And I think that that is an important reason why the 90-day task force that I have proposed will be important for the future of this city. Thank you, Sally Clark. Thank you, Sally Clark. Uh, next is Andrew Dalby, followed by Jim Miller. So I'm Andrew Dalby. I'm the only scientist on the panel up here. My undergraduate degrees in biochemistry, I started working, my first job was in a quality control laboratory. I actually interviewed at Colorado Springs Utilities in the water department. That's one of the things you can do with a degree in, in biochemistry. So this is not an easy question. It's not something you can answer in 60 seconds. There's obviously a lot of people you need to coordinate with, a lot of things that need to happen, and a lot of that is outside of the realm of what the mayor can do. One of the issues that we have is, yes, we're using less water per capita than we were, and one of the reasons is, as was mentioned, the parks. So a decade ago, we, had, we were in a recession, and so the city council asked for a tax increase. And when the citizens said no, they spitefully turned off the, uh, the streetlights and killed the parks. So you walk around here and you look at the city parks around here and they're all weeds and, and nasty. Those are places your children should be free to play in and they should be friendly. Again, can't discuss this adequately in 60 seconds. Thank you, Andrew Dalby. Next is Jim Miller followed by Callan Reese Radabaugh. Yes. Uh, it's not just about preparing for future growth when it comes to water. It's about also sustaining that which we have the, the demand for now, the needs for now. The health of the Colorado River is um, p potentially putting some of that in question. So how do we sustain what we have uh, and what we need now? And should we be putting limits on growth? Jim Miller, I'm just a guy. Anyways... Yes, we should be watching the growth and keeping the limits practical and rational. You can't just be doing a bunch of stuff all willy-nilly and not have enough water. That would be dumb. That's a very obvious answer. 
<sighs> the other thing with the water stuff, it's not really in the mayor's realm, but on the other end is a state. We should probably get some gumption one of these times and actually fight against that over 100-year-old contract with the Colorado River and sending the water everywhere but here and not be scared of California having more lawyers and more money and stuff. So as a state, we need to definitely start fighting against that and making it a little more favorable for us over here in the Midwest. Whoever's next can go. Thank you. Uh, Callan Arias Radabo, followed by Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr. Well, that's a great question. Um, I will have to delegate that to one of the Harvard people I hire as my staff when I become mayor. Um, but we should absolutely conserve water. Uh, we definitely need to keep an eye on it. We need to slow our growth down just a tad bit uh, so we can make sure that we have water for the entire city of Colorado Springs first. Um, so, But I'll have to delegate that issue. Thank you. Thank you, Kellen Reese Redabell. Next is Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr., followed by John Teagan. Uh, thank you, Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr. And, and so, again, I also had called at that first meeting. Let's get together. Let's have those water task force uh, so we can meet and discuss this long-term growth and water issues. Uh, so we need to promote the water conservation, and we do certain things at the county commissioner level and would do even more at the city is what we revised our code so that people could xeriscape. They can do things to conserve water and make that go longer. We need to make sure that we are, again, gaining additional water rights. How do we do that? There have been some efficiencies with the farmers downrange. Want to continue to do that? Expand those projects so we have those water rights. And then let's properly fund our uh, reservoirs, uh, 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 our building of our reservoirs, which are long-term plans, have not yet happened. We need to make sure we see those come to fruition and completion so that we can have that water for our long-term growth concerns. Uh, and how do we fund that? Well, one of the things we saw, utilities is involved in competing with broadband companies. We have two, three new companies who are doing broadband, don't want utilities involved in competing with them, but they're spending $600 million to do so. Let's use that money for water issues. Thank you, Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr. Next is John Tigan, followed by Tom Strand. <clears throat> John Tig Tigan. And again, we're, what, from three years down to two and a half years before our water. So, yeah, we got we, a lot of these businesses, when you go around, you see the sprinkler heads that are busted. They're just running crazy. Um, I think it's just more than just fines that need to happen. Either need to get rid of the grass, need to go to zero landscaping, or need to go back into turf. Because um, then you don't have to worry about watering. Same thing with the parks. Instead of we, if we're going to build new parks, developers have them build and put turf down instead of using grass. And when they are building, use more. Uh, you know, the, use, use the grass that's to the area. Use trees that are to the area, so it doesn't it doesn't take up more more of the water that needs needs to be taken like you know i've seen a couple we, uh, weeping willow trees those take a ton of freaking water i mean they almost have to live in a in a swamp so that's one thing that we got to look at as a city and what their people are actually planning is it native or not native and again hold these businesses businesses accountable for when their sprinkler systems unfortunately it's not always their fault they're getting busted but they need to be replaced thank you john tig tigan uh, next is Tom Strand, followed by Christopher Mitchell. Thank you. I'm, I'm Tom Strand, and uh, I'm your guy. And I wanted to tell Mr. Rodebaugh, after two years on council, the Gates Foundation sent me to Harvard, and uh, I got to spend some time up there studying some of these things, so maybe I can help you when you get elected to mayor. 
I, uh, I think everybody doesn't have to, you know, be new to town to, when you jump on I-25 and go to Monument or you go south to Pueblo to see that our growth has just gotten away from us. Uh, you know, during the uh, times that we've got, uh, uh, you know, people going to and from work, it's, it's been crazy. Our growth has got to be managed. And whoever is mayor has got to work with city council and with the other departments. We've got 12 different departments to manage that growth. Last thing I want to tell you is that uh, the CSU, the utilities, has got a terrific organization up on Mesa that shows you how to conserve water. If you haven't been there, go up there and take a look at it because it'll save you money and it'll give you some great ideas inside and outside your home. Thank you, Tom Strand. Next is Christopher Mitchell, followed by Lawrence Joseph Martinez. Thank you very much. As an engineer and project manager, I have devised a set of policies called graduated growth planning that will address this very issue. It's a system and a method that can be applied to our growth across departments and across issues. And it helps us regulate the interconnect and the growth between the various aspects of our growth, such as infrastructure, natural resource conservation, which we are discussing right now, uh, police and fire services, that was mentioned before. So what you've heard so far from the other candidates is basically the nuts and bolts, yet they, I will bring coordination to the inner workings of those <coughs> concepts in order to bring about st stable growth for our community and sustainable growth. Thank you very much. Thank you, Christopher Mitchell. Next is Lawrence Joseph Martinez. Goodness. Uh, developers need to put in a recovery system for every big, large estate area they build. They need to find 25% of their water needs through the, uh, however they need to find, and at least do that for 20 years. Um, we need growth. Without growth, we don't get the money to keep the police, the fire systems, and everything else we need. So when they talk limited growth, that means more money from you to pay for the same services. Um, you know, there's no water equality here. All you got to do is go up north to the bigger places, the larger expensive houses, and see their green grass and walk through here and see your situation. So we know there's not water equality, and that's never really going to happen unless you move up north. Um, you know, we have the discussion of the 30, 60, 90 days that they're going to do and work with. The commission here already said they can't work together. You have a city council meeting that's at 10 o'clock on Tuesday. You have a county commissioner's meeting that starts at 9 o'clock on Tuesday. How in the world can you go back to both situations and give your viewpoint? You can't because I've tried. <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Martinez. This is going to be a yes or no question, and how we're going to do this one is uh, – I'll ask the question. If it's yes, you'll just raise your hand. If it's uh, then you'll put your hair down and ask no. So if elected mayor, will you fight against gray slash wastewater being put back in any way into our drinking water? Uh, if yes, again, I'll ask that question again. If elected mayor, will you fight against gray slash wastewater being put back in any way into our drinking water? Uh, if you believe your answer is yes to that, please raise your hands. If the answer is no to that question, would you please raise your hand? Okay. Okay. So again, it's asking if elected mayor, will you fight against gray slash wastewater being put back in any way into our drinking water? That was the question. 
Um, I know you guys are excited. Guys and gals are excited about yes and no questions, so had to throw that out there. Um, this question, we'll start off with uh, Mr. Glenn, um, followed by Mr. Mobilade. How do you feel, uh, in regards to transportation, can all residents affordably get to where they need to go? If not, what will you do to improve transportation and where? And this will be 30 seconds. A minute, I'm sorry. One minute. <laughs> wow. Okay. Daryl Glenn, well, we are a city of 200 square miles, and, you know, quite frankly, you know, the system is the system right now. It is not really possible, and the citizens of this community have made it very clear that they really don't want to invest more heavily into creating a light rail type system, so we are stuck driving our cars, using the bus system that we have, carpooling, so the system is the way it is right now and to try to think that it's going to be if we invest more city dollars into it and it's going to grow is really not realistic you did that in 30 seconds even though we extended it to a minute that's impressive uh this will be mr mobilade follow, followed by mrs clark what daryl was just talking about is true if you're thinking about our city as of as is today but let's talk about where our city is going to be by the year 2045. Expected to be about a million more people. That's 50% more than what it was in 2015. And with that growth, transportation needs and transportation realities are going to be very different. So we must consider multimodal transportation because not everyone is going to be driving in 2045 because right now yes we are a car dependent city about 80 percent of us drive everywhere but still there are those of us that don't drive those of us that need access um senior citizens millennials gen z's who choose not to um, own a car um lower income families we have to think about all residents and i I will be that mayor that transitions us from being a city for the few to become a city for the many. And that is the very essence of government, is to care for every citizen. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mobilade. Ms. Clark, followed by Mr. Dalby. Thank you, Sally Clark. So when I was on city council about 20 years ago, we were still talking about um, how we have essentially a hub and spoke instead of a grid system for our transit system. I think we need to go back and look at that and why that's never come to pass. The other piece of it is I do think we need different types of transportation. First of all, we need to fix our potholes and the cracks and the sidewalks and the things that are already plaguing our city and find out how those two C dollars are actually being spent. Then, then I think it's important for us to look at why we're looking at expanding roads and dieting in other areas. Um, Constitution Avenue, I am not for creating another expressway through just so people can get across town to a development. I think it's important for us to look at the different factors that look for different types of transportation and essentially really keep an open mind on how our community is going to look long term and how we make sure that the transportation plan that are in place stay in place when it comes to curb cuts, which create more congestion and more um, greenhouse gases. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Clark. Mr. Dalby, followed by Mr. Miller. So I grew up poor. My, I was raised by a single mom on welfare, and, and Yemi, that struggle is real. So I didn't always have the ability to drive a car. 
Our bus system, as has been mentioned, is completely laughable. It doesn't really exist. It's a compliance system. It exists in order to pretend that we have a public transportation system. So the hub and spoke system takes probably a couple hours to get anywhere from anywhere else in this city. The downtown hub is fine if you want to get stuck with a fentanyl needle or mugged, but if you want to send your kids somewhere because you can't afford to drive them, that's not okay. I drove, I think I'm the only one up here who commuted by bike for a decade. So we do need to invest in multimodal options, but the top down, we know best for you answer, and we're going to subsidize things like we currently do, that's not acceptable. Thank you, Mr. Dalby, Mr. Miller, followed by Mr. Rotaba. Jim Miller, hey, the buses suck. Let's see how many bus stops excessively we got on certain streets. We got like five or six on certain streets, large buses, three or four, five, ten people on a very large bus that can hold what, 20, 30 people? Maybe some smaller buses, maybe a few less bus stops on some of the smaller streets, maybe spreading it out throughout town. Dauber's right. Go downtown to the bus hub thing. I mean, I, I want to turn my kids loose and they're teenagers, let them ride the bus and go do what they're going to do with their friends, but I'm not turning them loose in that freaking mess. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's not maintained or anything else. It's gross. Maybe with some of the stuff, maybe it's some of these bus hub things like downtown, maybe there is a little electric scooter for you to personally zip across to somewhere else or something. You know, I don't know. I don't know it all. I know it's broken and it's destroyed and it's just disgusting and I don't like the way it is. And there needs to be better routes, bigger buses running the longer routes, a better schedule. The schedule's terrible too. It's, it's terrible. It's gross. Maybe we talk to some of the people riding the buses to see what they want. Thank you, Mr. Miller. Uh, Mr. Rodebaugh, followed by Mr. Gonzalez. Public transportation, I think there needs to be a study done on what routes are traveled the most by most people so we can increase more uh, routes and times during that time. Uh, I think that will help. I think we should also have a program in place for people dealing with hardships of not having a car, uh, maybe help them get back on their feet through a program to be able to use the bus uh, at a cheaper rate so they can get back on their feet and driving. Uh, it's typically the people that use the bus are the less fortunate and are going through hardships. So I think there should be programs in place for that as well. Uh, but like I said, we should have a study shown uh, to see where the routes are most traveled so we can do it the most economically way uh, and have the most people there. Thank you. Vote Callan Reese for mayor. Thank you, Mr. Rodebaugh. Mr. Gonzalez followed by Mr. Tigan. Uh, Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr. Uh, and again, as a county commissioner, I've always prioritized our roads infrastructure uh, as well as our public safety. So this is something I will continue to uh, prioritize as mayor. Uh, on the eastern side of the uh, city where we are seeing the growth and long-term, you know, as we come together to determine long-term growth ideas, let's include that also long-term transit and transportation plans and utilize a lot of these ideas in those growth plans for the 30, 40, 50 years out the future. So we're making efficient use and growth including these transportation ideas and encouraging them as the developments happen on the east. Uh, for the main part of the city that uh, we already have, we have to make sure that we're taking care of our roads and we're finding how to make most efficient use of our transportation uh, bus system that we have uh, and improve it. Let's get together. Let's figure that out. Uh, I do have experience in that. Uh, I spent three years in the L.A. metro area. Uh, 
every day for uh, during the work week for three years, I was using their public transportation system. So I have the ideas, I have the understandings on how to make sure we do that long term uh, smartly. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. Mr. Tigan, followed by Mr. Strand. John Tig Tigan. Um, I think number one thing is actually to work with the Department of Transportation to actually see what's really going on. Do surveys, see what, well, it, see what routes need to be expanded, um, what routes we can lessen. Uh, but you know, we think we need to definitely expand the hours because uh, we do have third shift that you know not, not everybody can afford a car, and. We, are, we do need change. We probably will need a rail system. We probably will eventually need the Constitution to have extended. We probably will need another highway because we're expanding. This, is, this, this city is huge. Rush hour here sucks. And I remember growing up, and you could be able to drive from north end to south end in 10 minutes. Now it takes like 10 hours, and that's just even right now. It's ridiculous. North end going east and west is about the same. We are expanding. We are going to have to do some changes. If we don't sacrifice ourselves now, guess what? Our kids are going to suffer, and our grandkids are going to suffer. So everything that we're doing, you got to think about doing it for them, not for us. Thank you, Mr. Tigan. Mr. Strand, followed by Mr. Mitchell. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, boy, I, I hope it doesn't take 10 hours to, to, to get across town, but, but I understand what he's saying. Uh, we just finished city council after a couple of year study, uh, just passed this uh, Connect COS. About 160 different issues, you know, biking, pedestrian, cars, buses. Clearly our bus situation is in deep trouble. Uh, as I walk the Black Lab uh, up on West Colorado, I live in Old Colorado City, I see two or three buses maybe in my 25-minute walk. None of them seem to have a lot of people, but the people that need them critically need them. They don't have funds for a car like some of us do. Uh, some of the seniors, some of the people with disabilities need them. We're looking to put a new center uh, right next to uh, the uh, city uh, auditorium. Uh, that's been in works for a couple of years, and as mayor, I would lean on that and make that happen much quicker and be much more effective than the old center, which I will tell you, you don't want to use the restroom at the old center. Thank you, Mr. Strand. Mr. Mitchell, followed by Mr. Martinez. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, transportation systems need to be scalable and practical for the growth that's going on in the city. And part of that is we first have to look at what are the modalities that are the most utilized and keep developing those. But we also have to look at the bigger picture while we're taking assessment of those modalities. The other thing that I have also noticed is that we do have an emerging transportation component called active transportation, bicycle riding, e-scooters, skateboards, they're electric. And those type of things are emerging technologies. And we need to keep developing those, especially in the incubator of the inner city where they would be best uh, developed and brought out of that incubator into the more general use of the public. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell, Mr. Martinez, and then finally, Mr. Williams. So it's incredible that I hear these other politicians who've been in office so long. They talk about the transportation system now and what it looked like then. Why didn't they fix it then? They knew we were growing. I mean, three terms as county commissioner, a couple of terms as city councilman, city councilwoman, but yet it still didn't get done. I ride the bus. I have a bus pass. I get on the bus. The bus starts off at a quarter till five, 
ends at uh, quarter after six, then the next set ends at quarter after nine. I get on there. Why aren't there so many people on the bus? Because it takes three to four hours to get where you have to get, and you can't do that any longer. Transportation is becoming too expensive with the insurance, car needs, so we truly need to take a look at what we're doing. So a lot of the bus stops were removed. I had to fight with city council, and me and Don Knight were able to get those bus stops put back. They took them away from the schools, places where older people lived, but I made sure they came back to that. We need to take a look at how to increase it. In Denver, 24-7. Here, don't get stuck after 9 o'clock because you'll be walking. I know I have. Thank you, Mr. Martinez. Mr. Williams. Thank you for the question. Uh, as a county commissioner, I helped establish the Pikes Peak RTA that provides $15 million a year for transit funding. Through the Pikes Peak RTA, we were able to add evening service, not all night, uh, but evening service, which did not exist before, and also add weekend service. Uh, we have had a challenge after COVID with respect to the number of drivers, and so our routes have been down, but fortunately our new contractor uh, has been able to fully staff and the routes are back to pre-COVID levels. Uh, I agree with my colleague, uh, Tom Strand, that we indeed need to address and move forward the downtown transit hub so we get something that is safe and useful. Uh, and we've also added transit routes to the North Hospital complex and to the airport, something we did not have before. Uh, but the reality is we are a city that is spread out and that is through the choices many of us have made and that means that for the foreseeable future, transit is going to be an option, but it's not going to be the primary way. Thank you. Uh, this is a very related question. 30 seconds for response. We will begin uh, with Yemi Mobilade, followed by Sally Clark. How would you increase bus routes and frequencies without taxpayer subsidies? That's a great question because we have a very limited budget. 420 million does not go too far. Can, can, you can't go too far with 420 million. So um, when it comes to how we pay for our transportation infrastructure, um, Wayne Williams mentioned PPRTA. We look at um, um, city general fund and also 2C. All right, when it comes to the bus, instead of paying for more, one of the things, uh, this is where I land, is I think we need to look at existing bus infrastructure and the ways we can do better, even smaller sizes right now, because a lot of people are not riding the buses today. Thank you, Yemi Mobilade. Next is Sally Clark, followed by Andrew Dalby. So I don't know how we can really do that without additional tax dollars, but I think we can look at um, what's available from federal grants, things that are at the upper levels of government, and I think that's what I bring to the table is an understanding of all levels of government. Um, a lot of those require matches, so it's based on match, but we also need to look at different, maybe different types of transportation uh, vehicles, maybe smaller jitneys, things that we can look at and really make sure that we're getting all the dollars that we, we can. Thank you, Sally Clark. Uh, Andrew Dalby, followed by Jim Miller. Automated trams. That's the answer. If you want to do things, if you want to have more cheaper, that's where it is. Like Wayne said, driver costs is the major driver of expenses in our transportation system. And there are certainly routes that we have that are nonsensical. So in the places where it makes sense, downtown, where there's density to, to justify it, automated trams. That's the answer. 
Thank you, Andrew Dalby. Next is Jim Miller, followed by Callan Reese Radabaugh. So, Jim Miller, yeah, automated trans is a good idea, but was to do some stuff without having without having any extra funding on this stuff. So let's get rid of the redundant bus stops and stuff and limit it down. Let's make sure we're running all the, the good biodiesels, all that kind of stuff with what we have. Maybe check for some smaller buses versus the larger buses for the smaller routes that are just going across. If you go down some of these streets, there's like six or seven little bus stops and they're all within, you know, very condensed area. So that's, that's basically all I think about it. I don't like riding the bus. Thank you, Jim Miller. Next is Callan Reese Radabo, followed by Loninos, uh, excuse me, Lojinos Gonzalez Jr. Again, increase the routes that are heavily used and decrease the routes that are not. And shorter buses, that is a great idea. Um, it's, it's practical, and that's without raising tax money. So increase the routes that are trafficked, decrease the routes that are not. Vote Callan Reese for mayor. Thank you, Callan Reese Rodabal. Next is Lojinos Gonzalez Jr., followed by John Tig Tigan. Uh, thank you, Lojinos Gonzalez. Uh, so first, we got to review the budget. Make sure we find and eliminate any waste and excess. Uh, anything that's not being efficient, we need to make sure we reprioritize those and make make sure it makes sense. The other thing, again, utilizing smaller footprints, smaller vehicles. Those those buses are never never full. So let's make more efficient use of the buses that we have as we transition past their life cycle, get the ones that are more efficient and smaller so that we're utilizing most effectively. Uh, and then this might be an area we decide to pri uh, privatize. Uh, my guess is that a private company could do this better. If not, then we keep it. But we have to look at different ideas. But the smaller buses, more efficient uh, use makes most sense. Thank you, Lojinos Gonzalez Jr. Next is John Tig Tigan, followed by Tom Strand. Same thing. You got to audit. We got to audit the department, see where the waste and fraud is and anything else. I allocate the money where it truly has to go. Adjust the bus routes to the bus sizes. Obviously, if, the, if it's a smaller a population going to that size, short, shorter bus, and then the bigger buses for the, uh, the bigger routes. And it, uh, raising our taxes, again, I don't think we have an income problem. We, we just have an allocation problem. And obviously, we got, I think we got a huge waste problem so that's why we need to audit everything thank you john tig tigan next is uh, tom strand followed by christopher mitchell thank you very much tom strand your guy uh i went about, about a month ago to our uh, transit area where we do the maintenance and we have recently purchased four buses now that are electric and i think that can really help us reduce the cost uh, you know, that we spend on gas and diesel, uh, and therefore it, that's one way forward. The other thing is to have more PSA announcements on television and on the radio about ridership. If we increase ridership, we'll decrease the cost to the individuals. Maybe more of those announcements and less of the ones for who's running for mayor. Thank you, Tom Strand. Next is uh, Christopher Mitchell, followed by Lawrence Joseph Martinez. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I go back to my last answer. Transportation systems need to be scalable and practical. Scalable doesn't mean always increasing. So in this instance, I would propose that we reduce the size and scope of some of the, the routes, but also look at the efficiency aspects 
that have been mentioned here already, such as efficiency of the the uh, vehicles and efficiency of the uh, route length versus the use of that route. Thank you very much. Thank you, Christopher Mitchell. Next is Lawrence Joseph Martinez, followed by Wayne Williams. It's incredible that you hear these guys talk about how shortening the bus stops and everything. There's a lot of you guys out here that use the bus. Would you like for your stop to also be eliminated? They expect you to walk three, four miles just to get to a bus stop. They expect you to send your children to walk to a bus stop that's even further away. Kids use the bus stop. Uh, a lot of college kids use the buses. We're going to have to raise taxes to be able to get better systems. The same bus doesn't run on the same system, guys. You may see a large bus. You may see a small one. They switch them out. Okay. The reason you don't see the buses full is the situation isn't what it should be. Thank you, Lawrence. Joseph Martinez. Next is Wayne Williams, followed by Daryl Glenn. One of the things that uh, we did when we created the Pikes Peak RTA is established a list of capital projects, a list of or, or maintenance and then transit, and in the list of the capital projects that the voters of this community approved was 79.5% of the vote last November. It includes funding for transit fleet supplements, transit service enhancements, and transit stop and station improvements. So one of the ways that we have done that is through actually using existing funding sources and allocating it. Thank you, Wayne Williams. Uh, finally, uh, Daryl Glenn. Daryl Glenn, there have been some good suggestions up here and I agree with it. First, you look at the funds that you have and you have to eliminate uh, some programs that are low performing and reallocate those dollars. Number two, you need to make sure your infrastructure is actually working so that absolutely the roads are in a perfect condition. But three, there's a tremendous market opportunity. When you start thinking about the expansion of Uber, Lyft, you, you start challenging employers. If your employees are having problems getting to work, the employers can absolutely invest in the system to make sure that they help out the employees. Same thing with private organizations. All those things need to be brought to the table. Thank you, Mr. Glenn. Uh, this question we're going to start off with Miss uh, Mrs. Clark, <clears throat> and this will be um, this will be uh, one minute. How will you address, uh, if elected mayor, how would you address PFAs in the water? So the PFAS issue, I know, has been a concern for um, a lot of the folks that are on wells. So I don't know that it's really relevant directly to the city's water system. Um, so I, I don't know that I have the right answer for you. Um, I do think that it's important to comply with the Environmental Protection Agency and the things that have been happening. And also to make uh, aware, it was created a lot off of the firefighting foam that um, has seeped into the water um, into the water table. And so I do know that when I was a county commissioner uh, down in that same area, we were working on the contamination issue from Schlaglock to be able to reinstitute the um, the aerators in the uh, ponds at Willow Springs Pond. So. Uh, environmental issues are really important to me. I'm not sure that I have the exact answer for you on this question, but it is extremely important to make sure that people have safe drinking water. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Dalby, followed by Mr. Miller. So once again, I am the scientist on the panel here, but we have to remember water is a infinitely recyclable resource. One of the questions we had prior, or the yes-no question was, should you 
disallow water reuse? And the answer is you can't. Water is in a constant reuse. There's the same water here as there's always been. And it, ha and it goes through with the water cycle. You should remember that from junior high school science class. So how do we make sure that the water is adequately clean before we drink it? You run it through the water treatment plant. That's what it's there for. Uh, if it needs to be adjusted based on what contaminants are now found in the water, then you adjust it. It's a really pretty simple technical problem. Thank you, Mr. Dalby, Mr. Miller, followed by Mr. Rodebaugh. I am out of water, in case anybody was wondering. Water is good and water is great. Just better filtration, better separation of the chemicals and the problems and the stuff going on with it. Stop throwing crap down into the ground that gets into the water. It's not that overtly complicated. Don't be gross. So just update the water treatment stuff to where we got the right type of filtration and the right amounts of different things to do it. I'm not a water guy. I just like to drink a crap ton of it, as you can tell, because I have water coming right now. I will drink like 12 of these at one of these things sitting here. All right. So that's that's really about it. I still have 30 seconds. Holy crap. All right. Look, I'm sorry. Look, guys, I am exhausted today. I work 50 to 80 hours a week. Don't pollute the water. Don't be gross. Be better people. Be better companies. Be better society. Be a better community. The government ain't the answer for everything. If we start off being better, it'll be better. The water treatment plan does a better job. And we make sure everything's up to date and modernized with cleaning everything. Now I have to stop because I ran out of time. Thank you, Mr. Miller. Mr. Rodebaugh, followed by Mr. Gonzalez. PFAs sound pretty dangerous. I don't know quite what they are. Uh, can we nuke them? Oh, no. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> obviously, I'll have to delegate that to one of the Harvard researchers but I think we should all have clean water vote calories for mayor somebody texted me my poker face is pretty good and <laughs> I'm sorry it was bad that time uh, Mr. Gonzalez followed by Mr. Tigan Thank you, uh, Lojinos Gonzalez Jr. So uh, on this board, I, this is where I do have the most experience on this because our wide field aquifer down in the southeast was contaminated with the uh, PFOS uh, and PFOA from uh, Peterson, uh, then Air Force Base. Uh, so we've been working at this, the filtration systems, working with everybody to get the uh, uh, commercial grades to make sure that they were at zero detect. And so we need to make sure that our utilities is testing the right thing and make sure that we're at zero detect as we would with any of the water districts. If anybody's on well, need to make sure we're working with them so the individual homes have the same filtration system so that we're all drinking safe, clean water as I made sure we did in our area, which did have this. One of the areas of concern, though, we still need to mitigate some of the uh, surface water. So we have an issue with ponds down there. We need to identify which ponds in the city, if any, have that contamination, work to mitigate that. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that our two U.S. senators last year gave out a joint statement on some recommendations. Guess who they got those ideas from? Lojinos Gonzalez Jr. in a joint meeting I held with other stakeholders because I'm there for you and our residents. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez, Mr. Tigan, followed by Mr. Strand. I think the number one thing we have to do, we have to work with the wastewater management system and make sure that we have the right filters for 
or water. But again, I don't think the city has that major issue. I think it's more the people with the wells. I know I put a, had to put a reverse osmosis system in my own house because we were on a community well. So again, it's it's not really the city that's affected. It's more the outer community that's affected by a lot of this uh, pollution because we don't they don't have them the major wastewater that the water gets filtered through before it comes to us and me myself i personally i filter my water anyways even though i do live in the city i suggest everybody else do it too because i still got other hardness the the fluoride that's in our water so it ain't just the one over the other um but again it's just the mayor's just working with the right people having the right people in place and testing all of our water systems and making sure that it is safe for our kids to drink um we're kind of screwed where we are because we have already been drinking it but the future is, is what we got to worry about Thank you, Mr. Tigan. Mr. Strand, followed by Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Mike. I, th I think, are we on? Good. Uh, this whole situation, I think, comes back to our you know, municipally owned utilities. And we are one of the few large cities in the United States that's got a municipally owned for service utility. And so it's gas, electric, water, and wastewater. I have visited our three wastewater plants. We're constantly upgrading the ability that we, we have to, uh, to review and service and make sure that that water is clean and then sent back out, in some cases, for second use. We had this issue come out, you know, with this situation in Fountain with the PFAS. And, you know, I talked to our friends in Fountain about it. We've made some great strides. Uh, I just learned last week that the amount per million now we've lowered to a level where people are really a lot more comfortable in drinking the water there. But this is an area we have to constantly focus on and make sure that our water is pure and not contaminated. Thank you, Mr. Strand. Mr. Mitchell, followed by Mr. Martinez. As mayor, this sounds like a, a very de facto role, but one that could be easily addressed. Uh, first, I believe that jurisdiction of the issue should be determined up front, and then we can work with whatever agency, whether it be state, federal, to start working on solutions for contamination issues. And then, as an engineer, I believe in sound application of technology and science. So I think that's really, I'll just summarize, it's a de facto role of the Office of Mayor to lead in that area if, on specific cases. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. Mr. Martinez, followed by Mr. Williams. So I'm not a scientist. I'm also not a politician who can brag about all they did. They just forget to tell you that's what they got paid for. Uh, recycle. We need to recycle. We need to make sure our water system stays up with technology. We can't be putting any system in that's going to only last for five or ten years. Then we have to replace it. We need to get real experts on this situation. I just uh, turn on my tap. The water comes out. As you can see from our age up here, we were lucky enough to drink clean water. But it's you guys out there, especially the younger ones, that we got to make sure you have clean water. We no longer can take a step back. We've got to move forward for everybody. Once again, we're, we're in this together. One of us can't do it. We have to do it with you. If we can't do it with you, then we're in a real bad problem. They need to get out and speak more to you. Walk amongst you, speak with you. Not be in an office that you have to knock at the door that you know is not going to get answered. You know, everybody here talks about how the door will be open. I've been to the county commissioner's meetings, city council meetings. I've yet to see the inside of one of their offices. So if they won't open the door for me that goes to all these meetings, what makes you think they're going to open the door for you? Thank you, Mr. Martinez. Mr. Williams, followed by Mr. Glenn. You know, one of the things I love about living in Colorado Springs is you turn on the tap, 
and you get some of the best tasting water in the world. And uh, we use a wide variety of sources. About 70% comes out of the Colorado River system. Uh, 25% comes out of the Arkansas system, 5% out of the South Platte. But we make sure that that water is tested, purified, and meets rigorous standards. And I've gone to places where they say, yes, it meets the standards, but it tastes like crap. And that is not what I'm interested in. Uh, So we have, as a community, one of the advantages of a centralized water system is we're not reliant on that single well like some of the folks in the Widefield Aquifer area were. I will continue to work to make sure that Colorado Springs Utilities provides great tasting water that is safe and that when we are finished with that water, we treat it appropriately, and we have been. Uh, We did have some issues before I got on council. Uh, We are meeting the EPA standards now. Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Glenn, followed by Mr. Mobilati. Daryl Glenn, this is an area where the mayor is ex officio member of the, um, the, the utility board and council need to work together because, again, you know, your, your council is entrusted to be able to sit as the board of directors to manage this. It's also the event, I want to kind of piggyback off of Tom, of this is why it is so important to have a municipal-owned utility. Uh, It's about holding people accountable. It's making sure that we are investing the proper things to be able to ensure that our water system is reliable. Uh, But I think that we can all uh, take pleasure in the fact that we have one of the best tasting water systems around. And when you go around, travel across the country, taste their water. That's the best way to figure out whether or not you love Colorado Springs or not. Drink a cup of water uh, in in a hotel and then you'll be running to come back to Colorado Springs. Thank you, Mr. Glenn. Mr. Mobilati. We do have some of the best tasting water. Um, my, we go visit family in Texas, and my oldest, who's nine years old, took, took water from the tap and told my sister, who lives in Texas, gross. True story. And she, she, she thinks we're, we're bougie with our water in Colorado. We are. But here's the thing. Um, we're, we're doing good, and we can, we can be better. We do have the technology. So you've heard that 70% of your water comes from the Colorado River. Actually, 50% of your water comes from the Colorado River because 20% of that is water that has been reused. So the earlier question, that is the right question, I mean, around reuse. Um, the, the heart of this question, though, is do we have safe water and safe drinking water for every Colorado Springs resident? The answer is yes, we're getting better. And I, as mayor, I will continue to work with utilities to ensure that that technology is improved and you guys have the security of good tasting drinking water. Thank you. Thank you, Yemi Mobilade. Uh, I would like to start with a yes or no question. Please raise your hand if you support the TOPS issue that is on the ballot. Yes, yes. <laughs> Raise your hand if you support the TOPS issue that is on the ballot. And uh, raise your hand if you do not support the TOPS issue on the ballot. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, a follow-up question, 30 seconds question. We will begin with um, uh, Andrew Dalby, followed by Jim Miller. Uh, one of the questions that TOPS raises is whether or not um, uh, it affects money in the general fund for parks maintenance and so forth. So the question is, is what is your commitment to parks uh, and open space in the general fund? We already touched on this a little bit. I am probably the most conservative person up here. 
Well, not probably. I, I've often said at these things that as a small government conservative, municipal government is completely not necessary. So Black Forest might not be your cup of tea, but it's not a desolate, uninhabitable wasteland. So there are three things that I support the city government doing. That's public safety, public works, and public parks. So that is one of the few things that I think are legitimate uh, expenditures of, of general fund. So yes, they killed the parks 10 years ago. We need to bring them back. Thank you, Andrew Dalby. Next is Jim Miller, followed by Callan Reese Rodeball. Jim Miller, I hate not being able to stand up. It's driving me nuts. All right. So I'm not for the TOPS tax. I'm tired of all the extra taxes and all the extra stuff. The general fund for it. Look at the parks need to be clean. All that stuff needs to be tidy and looking good. But I just think that we could probably take care of it if we use it and keep it tidy and clean and good ourselves. I differ with Dolby on it because I kind of think to save water, we need to have the AstroTurf type things that are real nice and pretty and not be wasting water on it all the time. So that's where I'm at on it. Thank you, Jim Miller. Next is Callan Reese Rodobo, followed by Eloginos Gonzalez, Jr. The TOPS tax is a good idea in the sense if it, most of the money went towards the parks and trails um, instead of mainly open spaces, the majority of it. Uh, as way we can create more revenue is we can charge Frisbee golfers to use our parks because uh, if regular golfers have to pay $50, I think Frisbee golfers should at least pay 5 uh, and that will add to that fund. Uh, so that's one way to clear up the backlog on that idea. Thank you. Vote calories for Mayor. Thank you, Callan Reese Next is Lojinos Gonzalez Jr., followed by John Tig Tigan. Uh, again, Lojinos Gonzalez Jr., uh, I, I do think supporting, as uh, Mr. Dobby mentioned, uh, it is one of the functions of government. So I, I believe that we sh and have committed to providing additional funds from the general fund. I, I think the current uh, council has neglected our parks and not getting enough money there. Let's get the money through the general fund. Let's do that by looking at our budget and finding that waste in excess. And there is plenty there. Six, seven years ago, I, Don Knight and Andy Pico gave me credit for saving the city over a million dollars. Let's find that waste and put it to our, our parks, our public safety, and our roads. Thank you, Lohinus Gonzalez, Jr. Next is John Tig Tigan, followed by Tom Strand. John Tig Tigan, again, I don't, I support the parks, but the tops, again, I think it's more about going in and seeing what the city's waste is and, and allocate the money where it really, truly needs to go and just stop taxing the heck out of us. I mean, we're paying the highest taxes in the, in the state, and we need that, that needs to stop. So just as long as the money's going where it's supposed to be going, it should be fine. We got enough. Again, we don't have a fund problem. We just got a, a management problem in this city. Thank you, John Tigtigan. Next is Tom Strand, followed by Christopher Mitchell. Thank you very much. I think you all got your ballots. Uh, on the back side of the ballot, don't forget it, that's where the tops part is. Trails and Open Spaces Coalition, I urge you to vote yes for it. It is one cent out of a $10 tax amount. It 75% uh, will be uh, set aside for uh, open space uh, acquisition, but that is still 25% to deal with, you know, the maintenance of our parks. And, you know, this is critical to our government. I think we need to have more money in the general budget for parks and maintenance of parks, and I will fight to do that uh, in the mayor's uh, slot. Thank you, Tom Strand. Next is Christopher Mitchell, followed by Lawrence Joseph Martinez. Thank you. I am 
a strong advocate for the conservation of open space and our park system. What I am not an advocate for is taxation with no accountability. And TOPS cannot lay out a comprehensive plan of where that money will be going. And that, to me, is wrong. If you're going to tax someone, you need to give them a plan of how the money is going to be used, no matter how noble the cause is. Thank you very much. Thank you, Christopher Miller, uh, Mitchell. Rather, uh, next is Lawrence Joseph Martinez, followed by Wayne Williams. So uh, we need corporate sponsors for all the different parks. We already see corporate sponsorship all over the place. So we might as well work with them to get extra money. Uh, you know, parks are where you go to celebrate milestones. Children go to parks to learn to grow with other children. We need to keep the parks. We need to make sure that we divide the money equally as well as the north side to the south side. We need to make sure that we keep up uh, the bathrooms. It's incredible. You go to the park and the bathroom is closed, huh? But yet they're going to take a penny out of every dollar and tell you, okay, well, we need to change. Yes, let's get rid of the excess, but we must keep the parks. Thank you, Lawrence Joseph Martinez. Next is Wayne Williams, followed by Daryl Glenn. I do support the top's ballot issue. It does specify where the funds are going to be allocated. It doesn't list specific properties because we don't know what will be for sale, and we don't use eminent domain to acquire open space. Uh, I, during the time I was a county commissioner, we added 1,000 acres of open space and parks. Uh, we've added 2,000 acres during the time I've been on city council. We have actually, with respect to the general fund, increased parks funding during the four years I've been on city council by 38%. So we have prioritized it. It is an important part. Like most of you, when friends come to town, I take them to Garden of the Gods. Thank you, Wayne Williams. Next is uh, Daryl Glenn, followed by Yemi Mobilade. <laughs> Daryl Glenn, uh, I want to be able to, to lay some context behind why I don't support the top's question on the ballot because they always say yes or no. It's the duration. It's 20 years. I think in this economic climate, I don't think that you should commit future administrations to a 20-year tax. What people like is a short tax, verifiable objectives, and then you can reevaluate it. That's what's not being discussed with these yes or no questions. There's actually thought behind that. That's how you work your budget. I think we need to look internally within the general fund and reallocate those dollars. Thank you, Daryl Glenn. Next is Yemi Mobilade, followed by Sally Clark. General Palmer's original vision was for a planned, built environment around the preservation of our natural parks. Yes, as mayor, I will continue to support that vision. We are backlogging about $207 million worth of deferred maintenance and aging infrastructure, including our playground. I'm a parent of young kids. It's a necessary investment. The TOPS is not a new tax increase. It's existing, and we're just asking you to say yes to ensuring that we are preserving our uh, parks, trails, and open space. Thank you. Thank you, Yemi Mobilade. Next is uh, Sally Clark. Thank you, Sally Clark. Um, you know, Nancy Lewis, longtime parks um, director, told me one day that parks are public safety too uh, because kids use them and it keeps them in, in doing good things. And I believe that that's important. When we look at what's happened in the last few years, the park developer fees have been lowered by the city, which is impacting that. And several folks are up here that are on that. So I, I really think that we need to look at restoring the park's budget based on pre-recession levels um, that TOPS can't solve at all, but there needs to be a maintenance of effort that's included. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Clark. <clears throat> so for all of our uh, mayoral candidates, this will be the last 
a question um, for each of you. It'll be one minute. Many of us on the West Side are especially concerned about preparedness and evacuatism, evacuee planning for when it comes to the next urban wildfire. As mayor, what will you do to save lives and to get us ready? This question will start off with Mr. Miller, followed by Mr. Rodebaugh. I get to go first. Yay. All right. So that know your zone thing. Anybody looked at that? I hate that stupid thing. It's overtly complicated and ridiculous and a bunch of Internet online crap. I don't like it. I think it's over complicated, needs to be simplified. And maybe wherever we live, there's something where it's just like, hey, if it's coming from that direction, you're going to go down that road that direction. Maybe we know where the stops and stuff are going to be. If there's going to be any, um, what do they call them? The little helpy stations they set up, the temporary ones. I only have 30 seconds. Help me out, Daryl. <laughs> what was it called? I lost the word. I'm sorry, guys. I am tired. I am exhausted. I work a lot. There we go. The evacuation shelters, knowing where they set them up, be where the fire's coming from in the different parts of the community, and just simplify it all to a whole point so we know what we're doing, where we're going. We're smart enough as people to know fire this way, go that way. Right? Know your zone's just overtly complicated and seems to be a waste. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Miller, Mr. Rodebaugh, followed by Mr. Gonzalez. This is one question I won't have to delegate to my Harvard associate. I'll have to delegate it to the fire chief. Uh, but increasing awareness is the main thing. I'll, I will have to work with the fire chief to create the best plan uh, and just blast it on TV. Like, hey, if you have a fire and you live in here, you should go there. I mean, it's Jim Miller said, like, you know, if there's a fire this way, you got to go the other way. Uh, so, uh, but that's also, I'd have to look into that with the fire chief to get his best possible answer possible. Thank you. Vote calendars for mayor. Thank you, Mr. Rodebaugh. Mr. Gonzalez, followed by Mr. Tykin. Uh, thank you again, Lajinos Gonzalez. Uh, so I've been saying this for about a year, is that uh, we need to utilize evacuation modeling data. Make sure we have a task force so it takes this into account. Uh, that's why, as a county commissioner, I voted against a Flying Horse North project that uh, was concerned about issues in the uh, Black Forest area. That's why I voted against uh, one project in the, uh, I believe it's the Rock Creek area, the south, uh, the western part, uh, El Paso County, because I had concerns because the fire chief on that area said he had evacuation safety and water concerns so i'm going to be somebody who listens and advocates for our residents to make sure we're taking care of you and we're taking all the relevant information so i'm making data-driven decisions on behalf of our community uh and it is one of the reasons i think people can trust me to uh, make sure i'm making those type of safety decisions uh and land use decisions let's use that modeling information in our land use so that our recommendations and our decisions are sound and safe for our residents. Uh, that's why I am concerned that uh, one of the candidates up here may not listen to all the information, may only do what the developers tell him to do. So we need people who are gonna listen to residents, look at the information, people who will be accountable to our residents, uh, the safety of our issues, and not big developers. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gonzalez, Mr. Tigan, followed by Mr. Strand. <clears throat> Obviously, the number one thing we have to do is work with the fire chief and also the transportation department to ensure that there's not just one route in and out of neighborhoods. And if we can add a route, we need to add a route. That's the number one thing. In my neighborhood, that was one it, living next to Fort Cartoon. Sorry, Fort Carson. Um, 
it was just the fires that would start. We had one way in, one way out. So if the fire was across that road, guess what? We were stuck, and it came towards us. We were screwed. So, and again, it, the county didn't want to put in another road. Why not? It's because of cost. But again, we had to risk someone's life over money. That's not that's not right. So that's the number one thing you have to do is to make sure that the neighborhoods can actually keep growing with the infrastructure that's even there. Can people evacuate safely and soundly? Because what is, well, how long is it going to take you? An hour to get to I-25 when you got 20, 30,000 people trying to evacuate at the exact same time. So if the routes ain't there, it ain't going to really matter what you try to pre-plan. You need to have the available routes to truly get out. Thank you, Mr. Teigen. Mr. Strand, followed by Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Mike. Those of us that were here, I think, uh, 10 to 15 years ago know what we lived through. Uh, when we had the Mountain Shadows situation, and then on the east side of I-25, Black Forest. You know, that was a horrible situation. Our fire chief and fire department, uh, Randy Royal is the current fire chief, have worked really hard on creating these zones. There are over 60 of them. And I think people need to know, especially people new to the area, what the best ways to evacuate you know, when they're given notice. The problems that we had with the wildfires that were over a decade ago is people were notified, but they didn't evacuate. They waited to the last minute. I understand that. They had pets. They had elderly people that they wanted to be with or couldn't transport. But this is an area that all of us need to know. Uh, we need to be aware of having modeling for going forward with this, because as our current mayor has said, it's not if we're going to have another wildfire, it's when. Thank you. Uh, Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, ma'am. We can't. And uh, we're all this is the last question. So if you have one on one, you can definitely ask at the end. So uh, Mr. Mitchell, same question, followed by Mr. Martinez. Thank you very much. Um, data driven analysis for evacuation plans is only a beginning step. We have to integrate the processes that come from that data-driven analysis. And currently, the, your city government, under the current mayor, and also the city council, current city council, have not integrated properly evacuation plans that are comprehensive so that not only they integrated on the, on the when an event happens, but during the planning process of city growth, and natural resource allocations for water all of these need to be considered at a much higher level and they they are not currently being considered that way so as mayor i will make sure that the evacuation plans put in place are will be comprehensive thank you very much thank you mr mitchell mr martinez followed by mr williams so we need more information from the city and the county access channels um, right now you know how the county commissioners spend their county money they show cartoons on their county access channel instead of information that you need and my granddaughter says they're very bad cartoons so maybe if he comes mayor he'll put better cartoons on the access channel can you imagine that we need to make sure shelter locations are known. We need to make sure we have zone captains that work with each zone. We have to have better meetings for each zone, have them get together to know where they need to go. Once again, more information. It's terrible what we're doing in this situation for the younger generation back there. We need to step up and be responsible. Let them know the mistakes that we've made and the mistakes that we're not going to make. Once again, cartoons on a county access channel and they pay someone to put that up 
incredible, but yet they say they're going to go ahead and be diligent with your money for the city. Thank you, Mr. Martinez. Mr. Williams, followed by Mr. Glenn. Thank you for the question. Uh, if you go by Cedar Heights and Cathedral Pines, two places that had mitigated, you see a dramatic difference in the impact the Waldo Canyon and the Black Forest fires had. One of the things we did on city council is refer to the ballot an opportunity to create a fire mitigation fund, which was approved by the voters on a very solid margin. So we've created it for the first time, a $20 million mitigation fund to begin the preparation ahead of time, as opposed to waiting for the disaster. We've also, during the four years I've been on city council, funded 66 new firefighters and three new fire stations. These are critical to have the ability to respond to issues quickly when they arise and they're being located where there are critical needs. Uh, we adopted our first fire evacuation ordinance in Colorado Springs history. So we've taken a number of steps to address that. I, I'm honored to have the support of the Colorado Springs professional firefighters because of, they know of my commitment to preventing fire. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Glenn, followed by Mr. Mobilati. Daryl Glenn, they have a phrase in the military where you train like you plan to fight. And I was a commissioner during the Waldo Canyon and Black Forest Fire. And what we need to do is look at government's role and what the individual role needs to be. Government needs to make sure that as we're growing and as we're approving land use, that we actually have a standard in place that takes evacuation scenarios in, into consideration because that's extremely important. We also need to make sure that we exercise, that we have uh, training exercise so people can actually simulate these particular events, how they're going to evacuate. It needs to actually be translated down to the neighborhood level your neighbors need to make sure you know each other because that's exactly what needs to happen when it comes time to when things are going crazy you need to make sure you're taking care of your neighborhoods you need to know how to get out make sure what are you going to do with your pets what are you going to do personally from a fire mitigation standpoint these are things it's not just the government it's everybody working together but we need a standard to monitor how we're growing in the future that takes into consideration exactly what we're going to do when we have our next fire Thank you, Mr. Glenn, Mr. Mobilade, followed by Mrs. Clark. We all remember Waldo and the Black Forest Fire, right? Feels so real. We lost about 850 homes. Um, it is true. It's not a question of if, it's when. And as mayor, I will be tasked with leading our emergency management program and system to ensure a safer city and to ensure the protection of all Colorado Springs residents. So two things you, you may have heard of. Um, Fire mitigation and evacuation. Fire mitigation, we need to invest in those efforts. Because of fire mitigation, we were able to, um, we were able to protect the Skyway neighborhood from the Bear Creek Fire, which is really important. And so more investment in those programs will actually help prevent fire. Evacuations, um, we're making strides, but what I keep hearing from the residents is um, the technology and the efforts are not good enough. That's an opportunity I will take a fresh look at as mayor to ensure that our residents have the right technology to ensure that we have the a safe evacuation process in the case of a fire, and God forbid we have a, another fire. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mobilade, Mrs. Clark, followed by uh, Mr. Dalby. 
Sally Clark. So I have a little experience in this. It was in my commissioner district when Waldo Canyon fires started. And I stood at the bluffs and watched at Coronado High School as a fire came over the ridge and the terror that was in folks in terms of not being able to get out. There's a couple of issues that are important in this. That's planning for access. Um, we look at 2424 and where that is now in terms of that, that new plan for extreme density in an area that can't take it. And then transparency. Where are your vacuum evacuation? routes. How many of you even know that? Um, that's going to be a really important piece of this. And what you may not know is that $20 million that we approved on the ballot, we can only spend up to 5% a year. That's not enough. I testified on Capitol Hill for Senator Bennett to talk about wildfire and how it impacts. It's not just the fire, it's the after. I was up in Manitou Springs when they were dealing with extreme flooding that put businesses out of business. We have to be more proactive in this approach and as mayor, I will do that with experience. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Clark. Uh, Mr. Dalby. Andrew Dalby. I lived in Mountain Shadows for 15 years. Waldo Canyon fire came within a couple hundred feet of my house. I understand what that's like. I am very, very sensitive to this issue. Thank you, Sally, for watching as my family and neighbors were running for our lives, concerned that we might burn to death because there was an inadequate evacuation routes. Uh, I often say this city was laid out by a civil engineer, and it shows. You look at the parts of town that Palmer laid out, those are very nice. There's no problem evacuating from those. Once the developers started dictating who was gonna, or where the roads were gonna be, they decided, let's make sure we maximize our uh, shopping and uh, force you to go buy those. So we've got a lot of work that needs to be done to fix those problems that people up here who are paid for by developers continue to prioritize developer dollars over your life. So. Yeah, that's, I'm out of time. Thank you, Mr. Dalby. So before, we're going to shift to our candidates' uh, closing. Uh, each candidate will have 30 seconds to do their close. We will do audience right to left or candidate left to right, starting with Mr. Williams, ending with Mrs. Clark. So uh, it will be 30 seconds for each of your closes. Uh, Mr. Williams. Thank you very much for coming today. I appreciate the opportunity to, to visit with you, and I will be hanging around for a while to chat with folks afterwards. Uh, for more information about the campaign, you can go to winwithwayne.org. My name is Wayne Williams. I ask for your vote, and I appreciate your being here today. Thank you. My name is Daryl Glenn. Thank you again for coming out. Uh, go to DarylGlennForColorado.com. My three priorities are, number one, I want to make sure that Colorado Springs becomes the safest city in the nation. Number two, we have some tough times ahead economically. So I'm going to be looking at programs that should be privatized and reallocating those dollars and investing those into our core service. The last thing is looking at our regulations. I want to be able to make sure that the government has the smallest footprint possible in your life. I want to be able to maximize your personal property rights and your business interests. Go to DarylGlennForColorado.com. I'm Jim Miller. I'm just a guy. Anyways, I think we need to make sure we get all the rapists and the pedophiles and the sex traffickers all five miles away from our schools, five miles away from our victims, and that'll be a vast improvement on our parks, our neighborhoods, our communities, making everything much safer. 
for everyone. We shouldn't be worrying about our children, grandchildren, nieces, or nephews ever just roaming around town. Secondly, double-check all these campaign financial sheets. See who is bought and paid for. If they're easy to buy now, they're going to be even easier to buy later. And that's it. Andrew Dolby, how can you tell when a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. There's a bunch of people up here who've been in office for 20 years or more. They aren't the solution to the problems. They're the cause of the problems. Again, I'm a little concerned. Not all politicians are at the end of their career. Some are just beginning. They'll lie to you now. They'll lie later. Again, there was one member up here, one candidate, who was invited to speak at the Democratic uh, Forum. And I was told the reason was is that was the person who was coordinating with the Democratic Party. But they're not running as a Democrat. I think that lying, you might approve that their agenda, but they should tell you the truth. I'm Tom Strand, and I would obviously appreciate your vote, but I want to share something with you real quick. Our city clerk, uh, Sarah Johnson, has put out a list of how people are voting. There were 306,000 ballots sent out on the 10th of March. So far, as of yesterday, only 4,000 people have voted. The estimate is that we may have maybe less than a third of the registered voters. I would urge you, your families, the people in your neighborhoods to get out and vote. This is a critical election, not only for us, but for the uh, city council members, too. Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr., uh, running for mayor because uh, I believe in giving back to my community. As a retired Air Force officer, uh, middle school teacher, business owner, and current county commissioner, I believe I have the experience, uh, leadership skills, and values that matches our community and can best lead our community. I'm going to prioritize fighting crime, uh, our roads and infrastructure, and addressing those growth and water concerns uh, which are prevalent and pe on people's mind. I will listen to the people. I will be an advocate for you. I have a record of doing that. Please do your research because there are developers who are trying to buy this election. Lojinos Gonzalez, Jr., your voice. Thank you. I've got children here. I've got grandchildren here. I've got to make sure that their future is set just like ours was. We have so many of the younger generation back there. We have to make sure we set things right for you guys as well, too. So when you guys talk to your other people, let them know who they should vote for because it all comes down to that. Our situation has changed here in Colorado Springs. I'm hoping whoever becomes mayor takes a look at the group that's up here and maybe decides to put a few of us onto their committees. That way we can have at least multiple differences and we can have things set the right way. Christopher Mitchell for mayor. Uh, I'm running for this office as an engineer and I'm also running for this office as a resident. I'm bringing the resident perspective to this office. We have on the stage politicians who cannot bring practical solutions to you. They will have their sound bites, but I will bring practical solutions because I'm an engineer, I have life experience, and I have that resident viewpoint. Thank you very much. Thanks again for having us. My name is Yemi. Uh, this election is about leadership. Um, for far too long, our mayor's office has not reflected the entire city, and that's going to change. Your mayor's office should be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, and that's what you will get with me. If that's the choice that you want this election, I ask for your vote. Thank you. And yes, Tom is right. Please vote. Thank you. John Tig Tigan, TigForMayor.com. 
Again, I'm running also. I think our, we need leadership. We don't need any more politicians. We need somebody who actually listens to the people, go out and talk with the people, talk with the community, and see what's truly going on, not just listening to the groupies that hang around them. And it's just really getting out there, doing what needs to be done, holding people accountable, auditing every single department, every elected official every year, including the mayor, so we know where the fraud, waste, and abuse is truly going so we can fix our city for our kids. See, it agrees. Okay. Okay. We're good? You go ahead, sir. I'm, Cal oh, I'm Callan Reese, and I'm running for mayor to become the mayor. Um, I'm also trying to show the younger generation how easy it is to get involved in civil engagement. By the looks of the audience, they slept in, uh, but, but I hope they don't sleep in on the election. Uh, the, per the next person up here will have a huge impact on your life and for the future of this city. So do your diligence, get out and vote, and vote Callan Reese for mayor. Thank you. Sally Clark. So I started in government fighting government to keep a local fire station open. But I'm also a small business owner. I'm a military wife who's been married for 42 years to that guy in the audience. And in addition to that, I have experience at all levels of government. This is important, folks. Crime, homelessness, affordable housing are my top three priorities. But my website at electclark.com has a lot more information. Call me, email me, I would be honored to earn your support as the next 42nd mayor of Colorado Springs. Thank you, Sally Clark. Thank you, candidates. Can we get a round of applause for your candidates, please? Thank you again for attending today, whether you're here in person or you're virtual here attending via YouTube. We appreciate you so much. Like some of the um, candidates said, you have until 7 p.m. on April 4th to get your ballots in. Thank you to our moderators, Andrea and Mike. We appreciate you. All of our co-sponsors, um, Hillside staff, Josh, if you're in the room, or any of the staff that you see, thank you, Josh. We appreciate you. Be sure and thank the staff as you're leaving. Again, we went through a lot to get this, so we really appreciate Hillside Community Center. So thank you. If you are interested in at-large city council, we have another forum on Tuesday. At-large city council forum, Tuesday at Sand Creek High School. Community conversation, we do this once or twice twice a quarter we try, it's on domestic violence. So for those of you that do know, domestic violence is a big issue, not just for women, but also for men. So we'd love to see you March 25th from 1 to 3. That's next Saturday. Questions. We had a couple questions. If you did not get your question answered, the candidates will be here. We'll be cleaning up until 3.30. Please stop and ask the candidates your questions. For candidate funding, I had multiple questions regarding candidate funding. On the city elections excuse me, the clerk's website. You can get everything you need to know about all these candidates and where the money comes from on the city clerk's website. So please be an educated voter on that. Again, stay until three. Thank you for voting and thank you for being here on a Saturday afternoon. We appreciate you so much.